0: Welcome to a trade deadline edition of the Grizz Den Pod. Uh, we are we are calling in um, from different locations today uh, because we wanted to have this podcast up as soon as possible after the trade deadline. Um, so I will welcome Brantley to the podcast. Let's go. And Ty Smith, who's in the car. What's up, Ty?
1: Come on, Grizz.
0: All right, so... Non-trade
1: <laughs> Grizz. That's
0: right. That. With that said, the Grizzlies actually did not make any trade deadline moves. This was certainly... Um, different from what we experienced last year on this podcast which was the justice winslow dare we say blockbuster um (laughs) however um we did not see any trades this year uh in regards to the grizzlies there were some moves within the the um the teams i would say the group of teams around the grizzlies in the in the standings which i'm sure we'll talk about here and then the major trades had to do with some teams out east um and and one in in the west with denver uh scoring aaron gordon from the orlando magic basically the magic were the story of the trade deadline as they have torn everything down they traded away their three best players uh nikola vucevic is now a member of the chicago bulls and as I mentioned, Aaron Gordon is with the Nuggets. And Evan Fournier is with the Boston Celtics. Okay, I want to start here. Let's talk about how this trade deadline affects the Grizzlies, despite them not na- making a move. And, um, yeah, just whoever wants to jump in and give any any high-level thoughts on if this trade deadline even affected the Grizzlies, if at all.
2: Well, <clears throat> I'll say I'll say this. I think that we had we had opined, I guess you would say, some on the hard look, uh, discussion. And even when we went through all the, the deep trades, you know, and some options that we were looking forward to uh, maybe, uh, a couple of months ago, that it wouldn't surprise us if we did something like that. But then we really, really wouldn't be surprised if there if there was little to zero activity. And I I sort of think that this paints a pretty good picture of where the front office sort of feels like we are meaning like there's just no level of aggressiveness that's necessary. And, and, and honestly, you know, the teams that are making moves between, between Portland and Miami and um, Chicago maybe is in a, on a, in a different scale here. Um, but, but really th- those, those first come, you know, top of mind to me, there, in and Denver. Excuse me. Those three. I knew there was one other. I couldn't come off the top of my head. Those, those three really are are trying to capitalize potentially on a championship window this year. Right. And uh, to me, like the, there's there's something future casting with the Grizzlies, and you know, in a in a couple seasons, maybe we'll, we'll say four to five years, maybe that that there's a season like something like this happens and we have to be ready to to pop and go all in and push some chips in. And this is not the year to push chips in, and maybe even the type of players that are on the market wasn't something that we wanted to jump in and be a part of.
0: Yeah, what would you think, Ty?
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, yeah, the front office has kind of shown patience all along. Because um, I feel like we have some movable contracts. I feel like we could have going out there and got some players if we really wanted them. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think if you just look at our outline and look at our future, now is not the time for sure. Um, and, yeah, I think our day will come. That's a great point about Brantley. I think it wouldn't shock me at three, four years from now. Uh, something like, the, yeah, like what Denver did today, I could see us doing something like that. But, yeah, today today was not the day. And I, I'm 100% I back that. But you kinda of wanted it to be
2: the day, Ty.
1: If I were to go of back and look at trades, there there. Of course you, you, I did. <laughs> I will always want it to be the day. But the the smart person way deep down in me knew that it was the right idea to not do anything, especially for like a win now move. Uh, we'll talk about maybe our favorite trades, our least favorite trades. And I thought, I'll just wait on that, but there was one guy that I thought would have been really helpful not only now, but in the future, but other than that, yeah, I, th- I think it was wise what we did. What do y'all think? Will, what do you think?
0: Yeah, so there are basically, I think three ways to look at how a trade deadline affects your team, and I think the first way is short-term, the second way is long-term, and the third way is just opportunity cost of, of not doing anything, and so short-term I think if you look at the standings right now, we are right in that play-in um, zone. We're ninth currently at a twenty-one and twenty record. Uh, there, there was a trade that was made two, with uh, two different teams, both in our division, that are right are hovering around our record, which are Mavericks and the Pelicans. The Pelicans traded JJ Redick and Nicola Melli, uh an infamous Grizz killer. Uh, to the Mavericks in return for like James Johnson, which is basically the salary filler, along with Wes Sawundu, who was the quote unquote young asset and a pick. And that to me signals that the Pelicans are um, looking ahead to next year. So they're uh, not that they, not that those players necessarily, Reddick and, and Melly, were integral parts of their rotation. However, that that shows some short term signaling that. The Mavericks really need shooting, and they don't want this to be a lost season. While the Pelicans are looking ahead, and so we could see some minor movement there with the Mavericks, maybe taking one step forward, Pelicans taking a half step back. So short term, you know, those are that is the I think the most um, uh, the closest to where the trades that happen today will affect us in our kind of day to day. Long term. I didn't really see much uh, that that really affected uh, the Grizz here. there were the, the, the teams that were gathering assets just got richer with those assets and the teams who made the blockbuster trades are either in the east or at the very top of the West and, and I think Portland is an interesting interesting team there too with the way that they um, seemingly uh, sacrificed some future, um, some of their future for a a win now, more more of a win now solution. and we'll talk about that too in a bit. But I think Portland is a good comp for the Grizzlies is it's kind of the team Dame and, and Ja are are two uh undersized point guards who are who are leading the, their team and I think have both have the ability to make their team's elite. So I think it's always interesting to look at Portland as a comp for the Grizzlies um to see what they're doing I think they're they're a few years ahead as far as timeline but then let's talk about the one that I think is the most important in this conversation which is opportunity cost and I think Gorgie Jang is the obvious piece that we had on our uh, on our uh, roster that has a 17 million dollar salary expiring this year we thought you know that was the piece for if the Grizzlies were going to be a third team um in a larger deal that needed uh, matching salary to work we thought that Gorgie would be the key there um, in a trade however it just never ended up no team ended up needing Gorgie in order to get a deal done it seemed as though teams were able to find compromises where they needed to maybe except for for maybe Toronto with Kyle Lowry so I think that the opportunity cost for us was small I, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Gorgie maybe get bought out here uh, in the coming days to give somebody like Jonte Porter a chance to slide into the rotation. However, you know, that's extremely marginal. So I, I, I think that the opportunity cost was actually uh, low considering who was on the market reportedly, as well as who we weren't able to
2: trade. Well, there's one other angle that as will maybe, uh, you know, our resident cap guru here on the then pod, I'd be curious to hear what you think is like, it sort of feels like there, there was some cap implications potentially for next season and um, teams that could have maybe been looked at as buyers. Um, and I'm not necessarily sure exactly how that could impact the Grizz, but knowing that to your point on Gorgie rolling off, we get off of um, uh, who's the terrible guy that we got off of Miami in the Miami trade last year that I can't think of off the top of my oh, mind that's also impacting yeah, our cap waiters waiters yeah, yeah. The, we've got both gap. of those that are rolling off from a dead from a cap perspective next year that's twenty plus million dollars um, of cap space that just is off the books next year for us so we're one that we're a franchise that will have some space. But folks you know, Hardlicka actually you know tweeted this so I'm curious if you had any reactions to it Will. It was like you know teams like Miami Chicago um, they sort of maybe ate into their cap space more than in this move um, for for what they did this you know or today
0: yeah I think that it's 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 one of those situations where you have to It's the opportunity cost piece that I was looking at because, uh, you know, one of our one of our uh, trades or a lot of our trades that we had hypothetically always involved taking some sort of asset back from another team that was seen as, you know, maybe a a negative value contract. For instance, like the Eric, Eric Gordon deal that we talked about where, you know, he's he's definitely overpaid um for what he brings to the table at this point in his career and yes like that could have been a deal that would have worked if we wanted to send gorgie and bring back something and maybe they would have sent some draft capital but i think it just shows like the front office is absolutely um, aware of where this team is and in its life cycle and i think that's very early is it
2: Is it possible to say that we're outside of the strategy now of taking on dead cap space? Like, that's not something that we can afford to do anymore?
0: I think absolutely starting this offseason, to me, signals the last, you know, time where we could potentially take some bad money on as long as the return is legitimately good. Like, to me, what I am thinking about is this draft is reportedly very deep. Um, and granted, I personally have not like looked into the, the later parts of the draft or lottery that is like, I I think everybody's pretty aware of the top five or six, but I think there are some guys that could drop and I could see a scenario where if the Grizzlies really wanted, really had their eyes on a young guy like that, then they would be willing to, um, potentially take on maybe some negative value in terms of uh, a contract or, or, or something else like that. But um, after this offseason, it really seems unlikely because that 2023 year is coming sooner when we think when, when guys like Jaron and Ja are going to be eligible for the Max and this team is going to get expensive really quickly. And so I think it's, it's, it was very wise. Given, given the, the players that were reportedly on the market, there weren't any, to me, that, that were necessarily worth Um, maybe what it would have taken to get them from a young player slash draft asset that we would have had to actually spend at this point. So, yeah. All right. Let's, any other thoughts on how this, this deadline relates to, to the Grizzlies?
2: No, I, I, I think the cap space is one just for us to keep in mind a lot. You know, I mean, I, I do think that if we're looking into it, that just, that does seem to be maybe the, the implication that we don't necessarily know how it will impact this yet. Like no movement is a movement, like no decision right. is a, is a conscious decision I think with this front office. And so even though it's not exciting and ties really sad because we didn't get on, on some of those players that were rumored and we were like sort of licking our lips and uh, at what that could make maybe mean on the team. You know, there's, there's maybe a longer term horizon that we're, that we're planning for here.
0: Yep. And for what it's worth, right now our cap allocations for 2020, 2021 are at one thirteen million, and and next year starting this next off season, it's at, it's down to 99. So, I mean, that's a pretty significant drop. That's a, a $15 million, uh, bit of room there, which can, you know, buy you a, a fairly good player there if you really wanted one in the off season. Um, all right, well, let's talk about the trades themselves just for a few minutes here. Uh, Ty, we'll start with you. What was your favorite trade? And then uh, we'll each talk about our favorite trades, and then we'll come back around to our least favorite trades of the day.
1: Uh, So my favorite trade, well, I'm going to not speak on the Grizzlies because it's my favorite and least favorite at the same time, which, Will, you brought that up before the podcast, like it may be the same thing. So I really love the fact that Toronto got Gary Trent um, and kind of – got off of Norman Powell. They're almost the same player, if you think about it. Uh, I would say Norman Powell is probably a little bit more high-profile because he has put up some bigger games. But he's also five or six years older. And I forgot that Gary Tritt was only 22. I didn't realize he was that young. And so Matt Harlick, a friend of the pod, uh, kind of brought up him as like a Grizzlies watch guy. And that's why it's my least favorite, too, because he was a family. I mean, he could be had, right? Um, I don't think we had anything to offer as good as Norman Powell. So it looks like we weren't going to get him anyway. But the downside is that Toronto now has definitely enough space to basically sign him and match kind of whatever offers thrown at him this offseason. Uh, so they have his rights now. So that kind of takes a player off the board that I thought would really fit really well with the Grizz moving forward and a player we could potentially sign this offseason. Uh, so that kind of hurt that Jerry Trent, we didn't get him in the trade, but also I don't think Toronto's going to let him go. Um, so I think he's pretty much locked up there. So that's like a good guy off the board. So that's why it's my favorite trade because I think it made a ton of sense for Toronto, and I really like it for Toronto. And it's my least favorite because it takes him away from the Grizzlies. Um, and I think the Gordon deal was pretty good for Denver because the time frame really works. He's only 25, um, and he'll be talked about a lot by some of the big-time NBA, NBA heads, so I'm not going to really go into it because y'all can hear about that from then. Um, but I kind of like that for them, too. But the, the Gary Trent thing, I thought was good. I thought I liked that one, and I'm kind of sad at the same time.
2: Brantley, what about you? Um, <clears throat> We were joking about this on our – on our text thread, I, for reasons not about the trade, like the Victor Oladipo trade to Miami, because what what they got Oladipo for was Avery Bradley, Olenek, and a future draft swap. And so when you look at, like, what Houston did with Harden, our, you know, top five player in the league right now, maybe, you know, maybe top three if, if you or two if you take out those that are injured, and I hate to say that, but it's just really true.
0: Yeah, he's playing right up.
2: now. He's playing really well. They 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 got. Can you say they got less for Harden than we got for Conley? Oh, absolutely. So like, I love that trade because Houston is the n- new old shitty franchise, like the Grizzlies <laughs> were for a while. Like they're the new us, where we were like, oh, what stupid thing are they going to do next? Like they're the new Kings, like and the Grizzlies felt like the Kings at. at for some of the boneheaded stuff that we would do, so I love that they're in our division. That that we have a, a stupid team that we don't have to worry about anymore. Uh, that for the future is really going to have no ish, no you know competition with us. I think, um, and they're just run by imbeciles. And I think it's very clear in that trade based on when you're looking at the totality of what they got back for James Harden. It's a couple of. It's really a couple future firsts which, you know, that are that are protected in some swaps, and they really got no other asset or players back.
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. I mean, it's hard to believe. I mean, I also will say that for them, I think it was pretty clear that Oladipo wasn't going to resign with them. Like, he's always talked about the Heat as a team that he was interested in, so I'm sure that, like, the – there was uh, incentive there to get a deal done to Miami I think the bigger the bigger mistake that they make which you might have implied but it's just worth saying is in that big hardened trade not not sticking with Lavert instead of like sending Lavert on to Indiana to get back Ola Depot which you just traded for what you know you just mentioned like that to me was the biggest mistake because you think about if they had Karis Lavert here at this trade deadline even if they weren't interested in, him, you got to think that Levert would have gotten way more at the deadline than a, a discontent Victor Oladipo, you know? So, yeah,
1: and Jared yeah. Allen.
2: They yeah, could have for lead.
1: Jared Allen at this, right. at this deadline, too. They gave That's him right. up for like a second-round pick to Cleveland.
2: Yeah, yeah and exactly. I think that's my point. It's not necessarily, a, it's not the Ola Depot trade in, of, in and of itself. Yeah. Because I understand the situation that they're in. It's the fact that they literally ended up, you know, we kept doing that running ledger basically of what do we get for Conley? What do we get for Conley? Like we, yes, and this is really exactly. about speaking to our front office and how awesome they are. But basically, they ended up with Avery Bradley, Kelly Olinick, Dante Axum, and a couple future first rounders like a couple, like one or two. And and one of them's a pick swap maybe, and 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 somebody can fact check me later on on the total amount. That just seems like nothing.
0: Yeah, it's nothing. Well, they did get a. I would say from a picks perspective, there that was a pretty good haul from from uh, Brooklyn. However, the differences in like the Conley trade and and uh, the Harden trade is that all of those picks, I mean. Who knows? Brooklyn seems to be really vibing well um, with the team they have, and they could just very well. I know that things can change in two years very quickly, but it just seems like a group that's, it seems like a front office and a group that knows what they're doing now. It's not one of these franchises where you can see them crashing and burning in a couple years and those late. You know, late twenty twenty six picks seem to be like very intriguing. But I, I will say they did get a, a, a number of picks. But I agree with you in the sense that, like, as far as their team right now, who knows what those picks are going to pay off to be? Because and because in the short term, they they have not done a good job with the actual assets um, in terms of players and and things like that. Uh, hey,
1: let me let me ask you all this real quick. Of the players that they got of the players, not picks, but of the players they got back from Harden, Grayson Allen is better than any player that they received. Would y'all agree with that?
2: With that they ended
1: up uh, with at the end. Yeah. Yeah. That with they the ended p- up with.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. Um
1: Isn't that crazy? Grayson Allen was considered like a throw in in the deal. Yeah. And to me he would be a better prospect slash even current player than almost anyone that they received in the Harden trade. Like yeah, to me, that's nuts.
0: I would say he's right on that plane with... Well, I mean, Bradley and Olenek are are fairly good players, but they're also older. So, I mean, yeah. A- Avery
1: Bradley's only played, like, a handful of games this year. He's been out a lot. And Olenek is, like, pushing 30 and... Yeah, I don't, I, the fact that it's even a conversation should tell exactly. you pretty much everything.
2: You need to know. No, I, I let me just say this. I mean, I have the first round picks in front of me. If they're still true, for so what? What Houston? So I'm I'm fact checking myself here. What Houston got for Harden in that trade? They got a 2022, 20, 2024, and 2026 first round pick. That 2022 and 2024 first round pick are likely worth nothing. That's a late. That's a late round pick right we we agree at least if, we definitely
0: think 22 24 is is i could see that group being uh having the incentive to stay together or at least continue to be good
2: so yes you're no guarantee on 24 right. 26 could be good but then the rest of them are just pick swaps so you're hoping that they that they're worse than you exactly right exactly and, and they're, yeah so like that's what i'm saying like the three first round picks 2022 like i, I just i just think that it just—I don't know. I'm not down with that, and that's why I like it.
0: And you have to think, like, as a franchise in a market like Houston, you know, how long are you really going to wait till 2024 before you have any hope? <laughs> like, ex- like yeah. I don't know. that's that's tough. Um, yeah. Granted, Christian was about you, Will. Great signing.
2: What about one of your favorite picks?
0: So I think it's interesting because um, you look at. Just in terms of the trade, and this is another one, too, where you have to think about the entirety of the deal. You look at the trade on paper, and you're like, wait a second. Boston just got Evan Fournier, one of the best shooters in the league, for two second-round picks. And then you have to think about it. Wait a second. Boston had this giant trade exception because of the Gordon Hayward uh, situation where they could have very well paid Gordon Hayward, but instead... They uh, got rid of him in a sign-and-trade, uh, sent him to Charlotte, and created this trade exception, and everybody talks, you know, that was the, I would say, the PR coming from Boston was that they had this great trade exception to use on a, on a, you know anybody they wanted, essentially, and wouldn't have to send much back to get them in terms of players. And so they ended up with Evan Fournier, who um, I believe... Um, I'll fact check myself in a second here, but I believe Fortier is going to be expiring at the end of this season. You're right. And that to me, uh, given the up and down nature of this Boston season, uh, I don't know. Like that to me is a very, uh, that's a, a consolation prize. I'm not sure I would be completely thrilled with. It's certainly better than nothing. And second-round picks are generally uh, pretty useless, and so um, I think it's a Plus
2: if you're the Grizzly Zombie,
0: yeah, exactly right. Um, so <laughs> I, I think that's the most intriguing deal, just because Boston was also in the mix for Aaron Gordon, and I think if you played out this trade deadline ten times, you know how many times would they pick to to end up what they ended up with, and how many of how many Boston fans would uh, rather have. Gordon Hayward, who seems to be all the way back uh, playing for Charlotte, granted he's being overpaid, but, and also you have the Kimba factor as well, that hasn't exactly worked out for them, um, I don't know, I think that's the most intriguing in terms of the context, not necessarily just the deal, um, so yeah, I thought that was an interesting one, did y'all have any that were your your least favorite, or have we kind of played both sides of each of the ones we've talked
2: about? I I really just in general think that the Magic did a really good job in this period, like today. Yep. When I'm looking at like what they hauled in, so like, and I'm saying that meaning, like on the opposite side of it, I think that like I was sort of surprised, um, like, uh, like what Denver gave up to get Aaron Gordon, um, like. It was sort of equitable, um, but they got a really good pick in the future um, for Aaron Gordon. Um, Zach Lowe was tweeting about that actually, like, right before we came on the podcast. Um, So it's only, like, top five protected. After that, it's, you know, can be there. So I think it's sort of – I I just, in general, since I was sort of negative to start crapping on Houston, I'll be positive and just say I think I sort of – I think the magic did a decent job of sort of starting to tear down what they did. And they've got some good, I really like Wendell Carter. I really like, you know, what they were able to get back. I was sort of surprised that Chicago gave up what they did to get um, Vooch. Um, and so I think that there's some young assets that the magic, that magic fans can be excited about. So I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by them.
0: Were there any players that were not traded that you had thoughts about or tie uh, like with Lowry, Lonzo, Harrison Barnes, LaMarcus Aldridge, and Andre Drummond have now been bought out um, in the last yeah. couple hours. Any of those And Marcus you were... Smart,
2: right? What Marcus Smart getting talked about too a lot from being in a Boston deal at some
1: point, which was obviously... Yeah. I think that was slowed from Boston yeah. to kind of like blow up the Gordon trade market is my guess.
0: Yeah, but I, I, I would say about that Lowry was? and Lonzo were the two... Maybe Harrison Barnes as well, but but Lowry was obviously the number one of just yeah. kind of like he he was there was active reporting on on Toronto trying to find a deal for him and um I don't know I, I thought I thought that was for sure gonna get done I thought that Philly was gonna do anything it took but then there was a trade I think in the middle of the day where where they uh, traded for George Hill where it became very apparent that it, it was. Yeah. Miami, I don't think LA could really put together enough um, at that point, but then Miami, obviously the old Depot news came through and it was kind of it was a wrap at that point.
1: So I think there's one that is slightly Grizz adjacent uh, like we talk about all the time. So the fact that Lowry wasn't dealt and Duncan Robinson wasn't put in that deal. Uh, Miami's gonna have a tough time paying him this summer. Um, there's a reason that they were very willing to give Duncan Robinson up in the Lowry trade and not Hero because Hero's on that really friendly team deal for several years moving forward, and Duncan Robinson's not. Um, we kind of talked you know, earlier in the day about like what would it'd be interesting to see what happens with Duncan Robinson if the Grizz could step in, if Toronto didn't one hand because of that reason because you're going to have to pay him. I don't know if the Grizzlies would want to do this. I think mean, it depends on what we do in the draft, too. But if we do have space and we do have money, like Miami's not going to be able to pay Duncan. Somebody's going to have to. And I, I mean, the Grizzlies, if they really wanted him, to definitely go out and, and get him. So about guys not being traded, Duncan Robinson was a was a name to watch, too, because you would think in this offseason he's going to be somewhere else, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, and just another, I mean, point of of our cap next year. You know, Justice Winslow, there's a team option there. 13, yeah, 13 million. 13
1: million. We could, exactly.
0: You're not, you're not tied to, uh, tied to justice necessarily yet. Um,
1: yeah. And Ooh, I, I see, are see, also I very some hesitation.
2: Positive. I sent some hesitation. Will
0: I'm just saying, no, if, if I'm, if I'm the front office, I am Ooh. absolutely taking a look at restricted free agency. Um, But with
1: justice, one thing you got to know with justice, like he's been shooting the shooting the lights out. So you really don't want to give up a guy that's just such an offensive weapon. You just really got to be careful letting someone like that go. You know?
2: Yeah,
0: Ty. His two
1: two made threes are incredible.
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know if
0: people can hear the sarcasm through the the phone call, but yeah.
1: (laughs) It's it's sprinkled in just a little.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um. Now that is you're that's certainly intriguing I think the other the the final i would say Grizz adjacent um i guess non trade would be the lonzo uh non- trade he yeah had, for he's sure. played i mean the pelicans we've talked about has it's kind of being our um rivals however it hasn't been much of a rivalry to this point they've they've pretty much had our number. But Lonzo and Zion uh, play really, really well together. I know there's a lot of debate going on about Brandon Ingram versus Zion. Um, I think they're both good players for the record. I think they both could absolutely work together if Van Gundy gets uh, priorities correct. Uh, But Lonzo, to me, I was kind of hoping he would be shipped somewhere uh, out east which he's going to be a restricted free agent. They didn't agree on an extension in the offseason, so um, he could very well still be on a different team next season. But um, I would prefer it. <laughs> I would love for Lonzo not to have to play Lonzo four times a year uh, with Zion and that team. So,
2: um, Yeah, I think that this is the last the last little thing, back to like the Grizzlies' impacts on some of this stuff, is that you're also seeing like within your comment on Lonzo is that some of our – like franchises that are on similar timelines as us, I guess, which I sort of put like Atlanta, I uh, put um, Dallas, I put New Orleans in that bucket. Am I missing any other majors that are on similar timelines? I guess maybe now you could say Chicago. Chicago seems a little bit ahead of us. They're they're on our similar timeline, but going to have to make some bigger decisions before us. Yeah, Meaning like sure. We haven't forced ourselves into, into any major salary decisions like Lonzo is a big decision for them. Right. I mean, whether you go all in or not. Like, I think we have obvious all ins. I don't think we have any like questionable all ins. You know. Right.
0: Exactly. That's a great point. Um. All right. So as we as we close out here, uh, let's do a little cleanup on the last few games. Uh, since we've spoken. We have here's here's been the the schedule. We've lost we lost three back in mid March to Denver, OKC, and Phoenix. The the last of those that Phoenix game was just you could tell they were just out of gas. And OKC that's always tough to lose to them, um, especially given this season. We had an incredible win against Miami. It was a throwback game. We won eighty nine to eighty five. John ja Morant game winner. Um, Golden State. It was the Andrew Wiggins explosion that none of us could have ever predicted. He had 27 points in the first half, and the Grizzlies basically uh, couldn't catch back up. They lost to the Golden State, but then the next night they won. Um, we've seen that a lot in the NBA on these kind of back-to-backs with the same team. I, I would love to know how many of those teams have, have split. Um, I think that would be an interesting stat. But then we had the probably the game. Miami is, is was a great one, as I mentioned, but then Boston overtime win, Against Boston was great, and then last night, uh, Oklahoma City, we got some revenge there. And thankfully, we don't we don't have to play the Thunder anymore after after last night, um, guys. In that stretch, what what game stuck out the most? What have you been seeing? Uh, what have your observations
2: been? I want to hear Ty's meltdown. me, I think what's the, a, what's the deal, man? Why aren't we playing Melton more?
1: Gosh, if you just if you're a Grizz Twitter person there's enough people on there that will answer that question for you. but I want to know from Todd Smith senior. I don't know. It's really strange. Uh, last night he hit like three of what felt like three consecutive possessions, three threes. Um, every time he's in the game, it's like the third quarter, the Grizzlies always play really well, like in the like kind of mid to end of the third quarter when we sub and Melton has just so much to do with that. I've, I don't know. And one thing I thought of, I was like, I would love to see Tyus not come just not play one night and just let Melton and justice kind of just do a little bit of the mainly Melton, just do a little bit of like the on ball second unit thing and just kind of let him play those minutes instead. I don't know. I don't think that'll ever happen. Um, but I think the season's really strange. I think Jenkins has a mix that he really likes and is going to keep it that way can't wait to see what happens when jaron returns i think that's just kind of a big lingering lingering thing but the the wins and losses are just so hard to predict kind of what what will was saying like okc throttled us that first game in the the fourth quarter especially miami came to memphis on like a tear and we somehow held into 85 points and beat them 89 85 i think this season is going to be crazy i think we're just going to Basically, win one, lose one for the rest of the way, which is kind of what we talked about in our, I guess, our last podcast before the second half of the season started. It's just going to be, I guess it's like losing two in a row, winning two in a row, pretty much until the season ends.
0: Yeah, uh, that was actually going to be my fun fact. I love that you mentioned it, Ty. Tyus Jones, in the last three games, in the last three games, it, it, it's less to me about his actual stats and more about his minutes played. In the last three games, Golden State, only 12 minutes. Yep. Against the Celtics, Tyus Jones, 12 minutes. And then last night against the Thunder, Tyus Jones, 17 minutes still. I mean, like 17 in terms of a backup point guard. Uh, who is a, a full time backup point guard? Like twelve to seventeen minutes a night. That's that's not a ton. And then the production is, I think, tied directly to that, where you're not seeing uh, the numbers just because there isn't necessarily that amount of time. And he's also not a guy necessarily where you're going to see him put up a lot of sh- stats. He's not going to shoot a lot. If any, if anything, he's more of a floor general. But no, that was actually going to be my my kind of notable thing was you're starting to see a lot more of Justice Winslow and Kyle Anderson take control of the ball in that second unit, um, while Tyus really, especially in like the end of the game and things like that, or or, or the second half of games. Um, so I thought that was kind of an interesting nugget there.
1: Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I just want to see. I want to see Melton. I mean. If this season is all about data accumulation, I think we just need to throw him into the lead ball handling role, especially since he's shooting the ball so well. I just think he needs to play more, but I don't, I mean, Grayson's not going to get less playing time. It's just not going to happen.
2: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, but you can see a game like, obviously uh, the Thunder are such a weird team to me because you just look at me like they shouldn't be that great, but then they win a bunch of games and they, you know, they competed, with us pretty decently for the first half of that game. And, and Grayson looks like he belongs in those moments. And then there's just some where he just really doesn't look like he belongs at all. <laughs> yeah. and it's And like that eye test to me, like justice, his shot is crap, but he looks like he belongs. Milton, I without a shadow of a doubt, Bane, like I can go down the list. Like I just, there's just some intuition that's just off with of Grayson to me. I don't, and I don't know why, like, I think he could have a role on a team, like maybe with us, but like he just seems out of this he seems out of his role to me and what we're asking him to do. And I think that's what's been more frustrating to me in the past couple of games. Because because Melton has emerged and he is really looking like he belongs so much so that it's that it just is like like is everybody else seeing the same thing that we are? Like what, what what are we, what are we missing? It just seems glaringly obvious.
0: You know who, uh, Grayson Allen reminds me of in terms of Grizzlies lore, Sam Young. Oh, remember Sam Young? (laughs) Oh, because, and let me, let me, let me say this, (laughs) Sam Young wasn't a bad NBA player. It's just that when you look at where the Grizzlies were in terms of their, uh, their team life cycle at that time where they were getting in the second you know round of the playoffs on average each year seeing Sam young start at a starting two guard spot on a team like that just kind of felt you're like wait a second. <laughs> One of these is not like the other, and so I think you. Yeah. Kinda... What
2: happened to Sam Young when he left the Grizzlies? Exactly,
0: and so I think you see the same thing <laughs> with Grayson right now, where it's like, okay, great. That's it's kind of you know it's cute on this team where you know we're we're in this in a phase where, like you said, Ty, data accumulation, and we're seeing what everybody has. He'll hit a three every once in a while for Sam Young. It was his athleticism. I mean, he'll have a an insane dunk, you know, once every five games. But and Grayson will, will hit three threes in a row, and it'll be exciting, but. In terms of long-term fit, you got to think that it's pretty obvious he's at the lowest point on the totem pole in terms of our two guards. So I think, too, yeah, Melton uh, getting more PT, I think that's something we as a podcast fully agree on.
2: I just have one more minor point because there's been a couple of games, when you think about Boston and even OKC last night, one of the things that we talked about coming into the season on Ja was how is he going to fare – Against true defenders and bigger defenders, and we've had a couple of these moments this season. And I'm not saying that he's like past the point. You know, like last year was just obvious. Like when you went up against Simmons and Drew Holiday, these bigger defenders, it just jaw really, really struggled. And I'm not saying that he's not struggling. Uh, he's still struggling some, but he seems to be. T- over a little bit of a hump like you know he was he was faring well against Dort at times last night i know his his stat line wasn't just amazing i mean but also going up against someone like smart who again caveat i don't know he was just coming back from an injury um but there just were and i there were just times when i was watching ja against defenders like that because it was just something that i've been paying attention to all year because that's just it's like a little small step improvement but it, it, i think we've seen it some in the past couple of games
1: yeah to your point the game winner against the heat i mean he took jimmy butler arguably one of the best perimeter defenders in the league basically took him the length of the court um lefty layup right over the top to win the game i think yeah to your point and this is also something we talk about a lot josh shot we have so many guys on our team that just shots are just so broken at the moment like we joked about justice earlier Jaw's right up there too and for Ja to have the ball in his hands so much, and to get these bigger defenders who – if you get a big defender who can also sag off, that's just tough. Oh, like, yeah. it's really hard to get a, get by somebody that's got six six inches on you, you know. So until he can hit a decent shot, even just like a 18-foot jumper, I think that's really going to give him issues with a bigger defender. But to your point, yeah, I, I've noticed that too. Especially the first game against gets with defender. He did great against Dort.
2: Yep. Sorry, Will. No, no, no. This is absolutely one of the things I've been watching. That's
0: exactly. That's exactly. Uh, it's that's that's the information. The that's the insight we the listeners want. So yes, bring more of that. Um. All right. So looking ahead, this is what this is the part of the schedule that I like to call Jazz Fest. Uh, we have three games against the Jazz in the next six days. Uh, two of them are in Utah, and one of them is at home on the thirty-first. So, um. The top team in the West, we get to play them thrice. Uh, Love it. So uh, we'll be looking out for that. Hopefully if we can – we play Houston in the middle of of games two and three against the Jazz, so if we can escape this four-game stretch two and two, I think we'll be happy. Um, Well, for Brantley and Ty, I'm Will. This has been another edition of the Grizzden Pod. a lot of trades today, none of them uh, directly correlated with the Grizzlies. However, um, there are always any move in the oh. league is, is a butterfly effect. It'll affect something down the line with us in one way or another. Uh, but thanks for joining us. Follow us on social media at GrizzDen on Instagram at Grizz underscore Den on Twitter. Check out GrizzDen.com for some cool T-shirts. We will see you and talk to you next time